0: Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds.
1: I'm Pete Mitchell, he's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. The Church Planner podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need.
2: (laughs) And you do need this. You need smack talk in your life. Dang it. I have been talking to people. I have a new podcast that came out. It is called the Church Plantology Podcast.
1: Is that why you cut the other one?
2: No actually nothing to do with it at all. I think after like 2 years, we kind of beat that that subject to death. And so we're looking for a new one. And so Is it the same group? Yeah, it'll be the three of us. We enjoy podcasting together. Don't get jealous. But I
1: I'm just saying, I was your first love and you're <laughs> neglecting your first love.
2: Hey, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here after
1: all these years, Pete. All I can say is that I'm really encouraged. Was it Brooks or one of them was like, yeah, I thought our podcast was doing really good until I saw the numbers from the church planner podcast. Now I'm depressed. because like <laughs> we had so many more listens on the church planner podcast. And you had, yeah, on the I made
2: one. that mistake. He was really excited because church plantology did pretty well. And I said, Oh, how's that holding up against um, church planner? But you figure we got a church. We've had this podcast for so many years. We have a pretty faithful following, and now this is like it's a kind of combination now between hardcore and church planner. I mean, when I can't make it, and that I I have to confess, it's been three weeks since my last confession. I mean, you needed some cuddles today because I've been a bit neglectful of late. I've been. I didn't mean
1: cuddles when you say when you're texting me is. Hey, uh, after the podcast today, can we talk? I'm like, he's quitting again. (laughs) He's so out. He's so
2: done. He's purging. He's purging things out of his life. I was sure of it.
1: I was sure of it.
2: Well, you know, it does say cleanse yourself of all of the, um, the latter, you know, which is like instruments of common use is what Paul told Timothy. And I just somehow heard Church Planner podcast when I read that scripture. But uh no, I'm not purging, you know, it, this is good. In fact, Andrew is asked me, she's like, Are you gonna quit the church minor podcast when we put that other one on hold? And I said no, because this one is kind of Pete like Pete
1: needs me. Pete needs me.
2: You saw what happened when I left Pete alone for a year and a half. He was lost. He but- moves
1: to Texas, <laughs> he won't take my calls anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't talk about cars or guns or underwear anymore. It's like he has no purpose. I need to get him back on here talking about church planning. Uh, Do I, do I get to talk about guns? Because I got some gun stories to tell. No, no, oh. we went through that phase with you. That's like going through puberty. But I'm twice, in a free dude. state
1: now. You understand that now that I'm in a free
2: state, I get the good guns. I triggered you, didn't I? See what I did there? <laughs> do you see did that was it? a good pun? I triggered you. Get it. I, oh, I got it. Oh, oh okay. I got it. <laughs> so, okay. So we're sitting here today, not intending to do this podcast that we're doing right now. We are actually waiting for Drew Dickdyke and he did not show up.
1: He did not just do that. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, oh, I mean, we, okay. We've interviewed Drew Dick on the podcast before, by the way. Since he's not here, I can say this. One of the most influential books on my life was his book, Yawning at Tigers. Oh, so good. Great book. But that's the only reason why I decided I'd come on this podcast. Cause you know, I hate doing your interviews. Cause I know I just sit over in the corner, twiddling my thumbs while you like go into fanboy mode and start, oh, well, what about this? Right. You know, but, um, and so our first, like before we started recording, <laughs> Peyton gets it's the first time we've talked to Drew. Peyton's like, uh, uh, (laughs) how how exactly do we say your last name? Is it Dick? Is it Dyke? And he goes, "It's bad either way."
2: (laughs) Yes. Oh, that was funny. It was a good. You know, it's so so funny, man. Because he is. I mean, he is a secret weapon when it comes to to Twitter. I mean, he is just amazing. I think that dude is really um i just think you know when it comes to twitter if if i were putting together a dream team i'd put drew on it he's amazing but yeah, his book book, uh that we were going to interview him on is just show up
1: wait 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 you notice the title of the book is just show up and today he doesn't show up for his interview I mean, come
2: on, right? Is that now knowing his sense of humor? Though <laughs> maybe he's just waiting in the background. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the best way he can emphasize the need for his book. Just show up is by not showing up.
1: I kind of like that
2: idea. I mean, that, I wouldn't put that past Drew. The back of the book to me is the funniest. I was going to save this for the for the podcast, but it says when Drew Dick was in seminary, he wanted to do something big for God. He knew it might mean foregoing the milestones of a typically successful life, but he didn't mind. Other people can chase the white picket fence and have 2.5 children. He was going to do something radical. Well, today, Drew and his wife, Grace, have a mortgage, a minivan, and 3.0 kids. They eat at Olive Garden, and they're tired. Very tired. (laughs) It's like the best, you know. So, anyways... He goes on, and he, you know, the book is about faithfulness. You know, just showing up, being present.
1: (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to always laugh at the title of his book, and he doesn't show up for the interview.
2: Come on, this is the best. This is this is going to be when we're like at you know episode one thousand. We're looking back on all of our greatest hits. We're going to say, remember that time we did an interview for Drew Dick? Just show up, and he didn't show up.
1: This will go down in the Hall of Fame. I, you know did you read the book have you gotten a copy of it no i like, didn't just show up i didn't know if book. he saying so maybe an he knew. copy.
2: no i didn't know no, if he saying
1: yeah it's, I mean, it's it a just,
2: quick read that apparently you could read it in like 30 minutes and i don't mean that you know uh in a salty way because he didn't show up uh, like literally people are saying oh you could read it in one sitting it's it's a small book um but people said it's super practical i mean drew is a fantastic writer so if he sets his mind to write a book that's going to be small but practical and helpful it will be just that that's just who he is as a writer he could write almost anything
1: no i was gonna say we could do the whole interview just without him I, just, I mean if only he were here you know we could talk more about that but since he's not um i, I don't know I, I got nothing on it yeah we could we could
2: actually talk about this. Peyton, topic.
1: Peyton, what was his inspiration for the book? Just show up.
2: <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> he thought to himself, you know, Peyton and Peyton and Pete are pretty kind to me when I write a book. Um, they usually have me on. I bet if I wrote kind of like a a real small book that I could write quickly, make a practical, I might I get they'd Pete have to, read me it. to read on their show. Yeah, I bet have me on their show. It would help my my Twitter following, and then. You know, uh my career might be more successful as a result of going on the church planner podcast with such big numbers, Pete. I part, think that was is. part of his motivation. I think it should be for everybody yeah so pete uh what what was the thing that was the real burden uh
1: when drew wrote this book? um he was tired of people not showing up like for interviews and whatnot, and so he figured he'd write a book about just showing up, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just going to be, are we going to tell Brooks the title of this one? (laughs) This is the episode about just showing up when you don't show up.
2: You know, it's funny because the more, the more Brooks works for me the more I get the, the sneaking feeling, he thinks I'm an idiot, which is what he thought of. Dude,
1: you don't think
2: it took him this long to figure that out, right? No, I just think he's, he doesn't hide it anymore. That's what I actually think is happening.
1: He doesn't, like, he's, he's, he's got job security. He's like, I can <laughs> yeah, tell you totally you're an idiot does. and you're not firing me. I know you're not firing me. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. So no, it, it was funny. I was, uh, we started a small group in our, our home for, uh, some of the couples at our our church. And, uh, and it was funny. I was telling them the story. So one of the things that, that we're doing in our small group is we're kind of going through what they Somebody came up with this term, they call it the life map, and like they have you uh jot out like what were the most influential moments in your life, good or bad, where you either showed God, uh, God showed up, or you know, really bad things happened in your life. And it's a way to like just tell the other members of the group, This is my life. You're a little bit vulnerable, right? Because you're you know, sometimes some people got some stuff that's like, you know, whoa, da, whoa, whoa, Nelly, and um, so I told them the story about how yeah, there's this guy, we were going to this church in Huntington beach and he came off the mission field from Wales. And, uh, and, uh, you know, he spoke and he's like, Hey guys, you know, I got my sign up in the back of the church, you know, and if you want to get on my, my mailing list, and I went out there and I signed up and, and, uh, then he called through it. And later on, he tells me, yeah, you were the reason God told me to call through that list. And I've always tried to correct him. I said, are you sure it was God that told you to call through that list?'" <laughs> It was
2: unmistakably God. Like that was one of those things, you know, there are times in your life where, and definitely for me, where God has prompted me with an urgency, do this now, do it today. And that was one of those moments where God told me, call through this list today, now. And I did it. And you and I spoke for an hour. (laughs) I cut off the phone like, well... That was that was what who God wanted me to talk to. I didn't keep calling. I knew that was the guy.
1: But see again, what if God wanted you to hit the second person on the list and you just didn't he didn't call through? I'm just no, saying.
2: I've talked to them since. Although a few I've of them talked to
1: the second person on the list. It was Drew Dick and he stopped showing up for me.
2: <laughs> no, but what was funny is the second person on the list did tell me later, Oh yeah, man, if you had called me before. You know, I, I had a bunch of money I inherited and, uh, but I did already give <laughs> now, that to compassion.
1: I was wanted. that
2: wasn't it. It was Pete Mitchell.
1: I really wanted to give it to a church planner, but you know, I found this other one cause he was the one that called me.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, that's um, great. Well, you know, it's funny cause like I said, the, um uh, Church Plantology podcast. I, I was I was in the middle of saying that like twenty minutes ago, but uh, I do want to kind of poke you guys over to that. If you <clears throat> if you've not heard of it yet, or you've not checked it out, it is the magnum opus of podcasts that I've done, minus present company accepted, of course. And if you get a chance, it highlights the global missional practice part of the church plantology book. And so we had to wait because the the one thing that was somewhat lacking in the book was practical real life examples, because I, I know this sounds stupid, but I actually hate in a book where all I'm reading is stories of other people and what they do and how they're doing it. That bores me. I, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a, there was this one church and, you know, you go back and read that. That's not evergreen material. So I don't put that in my books. But on the podcast, when you can hear people's voice and they're telling their own story, to me, that's the right medium for that. And it's always bothered me in missional books where they talk about this radical thing someone's doing. Five years later, you go back and read in the book and you're like, that's not radical. Everybody does that. So I tend to not, fill my but even my own stories. I don't tend to to fill my books with my stories of what I've done. It's just doesn't feel right. So anyways, um yeah check it out Church Plantology Podcast. And each episode might have like 10 different indigenous missionaries. And as we're pulling apart a plantology principle, we're interacting with you know these people that's it's if you read the Mars Hill or sorry, if you listen to the Mars Hill podcast the the rise and fall of Mars Hill or whatever it was called the Martriscal yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's produced to that level. And uh, you know, I, I think there were 16 people working on that one. And uh there were like two of us. But uh there were a lot of people in um Bible League International and people, you know, our team uh interviewed a lot of the people we're currently training. Right now, we're curr- We're currently training 85 uh, people from different uh, indigenous planners, uh, 18 different countries represented in our current cohort, which is the Discipology, uh cohort. So it's pretty fun. So that's it. Check it out. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. All right. Oh, oh hey, there you are. I you finally met? showed up. Hey, you showed up. This is great because you know your book is just show up. How small acts of faithfulness change everything, and you know it changes everything right now, right here. It means we can actually do this interview. Yes, I, it was just a
3: power move, you know, just to not show up for the first time, <laughs> kind of put you guys in your place, and then show up. No, I'm teasing. You gotta let,
1: I, gotta I, let us know who's boss. There hey, you go. I'm the author. You're nobody. I like That's it. right. I like That's it. right.
2: A- actually, you know, th- there's not many authors we could do this with, but Drew is an is an old friend. Uh, he was kind enough to let me uh, write way back in the day for uh, Leadership Journal, which caused me to kind of disrespect the magazine slightly if they're going to let me write <laughs> for him. But, but actually, uh, Drew is in in me and Pete's opinion probably one of the best authors out there. His writing is phenomenal. You need to know his writing, but. He's also, more importantly, the funniest freaking man on Twitter. If you're not following Drew Dick, you're doing Twitter wrong.
3: So, well, uh, thank you. I and I, I appreciate that because I don't get that affirmation
2: at home from my wife. Who doesn't always appreciate my jokes. So I only need in his hometown as a prophet yeah. without honor, but on Twitter go. or X, you are on freaking fire. Thank you, sir. So, Now, a little bit about Drew. He's the editor of Moody Publishers and the former managing editor of Leadership Journal. We were just talking uh, in studio just about how good that magazine was. I still have copies of that magazine wedged in my bookcase where they did something on spiritual gifts. And I'm like, this is like the cliff notes to spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. Like so many of the, the issues of that journal are like, some of the best resources they were so well done collated information but he's still you know he does some stuff for uh ct he's done stuff for relevant gospel coalition and even cnn so not only funny he's actually kind of serious so anyway anyways uh pete
1: what do you got to say about drew dick (laughs) well i just remember the first time we interviewed him we're like uh, uh, Drew, how do we say your last name? Because <laughs> we weren't sure. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if we're gonna pronounce this right.
3: That's a but, tough one. Uh, it's a D Y C K, and so some people say Dick, and some people see, say Dyke. Either way, I had a rough childhood. I'll that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Until
2: so. the skater movement, and then Dickies were out, and you're like, "See? Oh, that's right. Yeah, these are my duds. These are I, my threads. I I've been reading about this all my life.
1: There you go." <laughs> redeemed it. But what, well, hey, hey, Drew, tell us a little bit about, uh, your book just show up. What was the, uh, the, the Genesis behind it, the spark behind it, what, what caused you to, to come out with this one?
3: Oh, wow. Yeah. Honestly, it was a bit of a midlife crisis. <laughs> and I talk a little bit about that in the, the, um, introduction. Uh, but basically I was, I was thinking back to the time when I was in seminary and I was in my twenties at the time. And I remember my wife and I, uh, we had these big grandiose plans of what we were going to do for God. Right. And I think a lot of people are like that in their 20s. And I think maybe that's good. You're kind of idealistic and young. Um, but I remember telling her, like, listen, I don't want the American dream. Like, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna have, we're not gonna move to the suburbs and have two point five children and a white picket fence. We're gonna do something different. And she was right there with me. She's like, Yeah, like let, let, let's do this. And then I was reflecting on how my life has turned out. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. But guess what? We live in the suburbs. We don't have two point five children. We have three. And I don't have a white picket fence, but I totally get one. If I could afford it. Um, and then the question becomes like, hey, okay, hey, not on a writer's salary. <laughs> that, that's no, right. Sir. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the question becomes like when your life doesn't turn out, maybe as, as radical as you thought it might be, then the question is like, okay, what does faithfulness look like now? Right. Yeah. Um, and and then I remember grace recently was asking me like, who, who do you most admire? And I listed the people that came to P- mind. P- and yes, of course you were top of the N- list. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and Pete, you were second. Uh, But after that.
1: (laughs) I'm always second.
3: (laughs) Now this is going to be offensive because I realized that not one of the people that I listed was especially, (laughs) you know, talented or even famous or anything like that. Right. It was just Mm, like one was a small church pastor who kept leading this church despite being diagnosed with a debilitating illness. Another one was this lady who, who runs a soup kitchen and kept doing it even after her husband died. And I thought, like, why do I admire these people? Because they're faithful. You know, even when life punched them in the face, they kept getting up and coming back and obeying God. And, um, and that's kind of where the title of the book came from. Like, just show up that's faithfulness. And, and that's been encouraging to me personally, like during this phase of life where I feel like I don't have a lot of energy. I feel like I have more responsibilities than uh, energy (laughs) often. And, Mm -hmm. but I, I just have, it's something I've repeated to myself. Hey, Drew, just show up, just be faithful, do the next thing that God's placed in front of you and God can do awesome things through that. So that's kind of the genesis, the idea behind the
2: book. Well, I love that. And, you know, I mean, you you and, and Pete and I, uh, you know, we, you, you get around people that are, are, are quote unquote famous, right? We always laugh because we're like, oh, they're just Christian famous. <laughs> <It's not real laughs> that's famous. true. It's not but even real meet, famous. You meet a lot of prima <laughs> donnas, you know, they're, yeah. and they're not famous at all. It's kind of funny. It's like when when Daniel, you know, calls the this leader the little horn that that boasts arrogantly. You know, it's it's a caricature, and so many times you'll see people and you're like, what what are you feeling important about? What that you talk on stage for like thirty minutes after people do a bunch of singing, and that makes you awesome. But, like you said, man, the people in the trenches that are just showing up like getting their hands dirty mm-hmm. doing the real work of ministry and i am not those of you out there that are preachers, I'm not denigrating that's important, but you know, perhaps the values in heaven are a little bit different than the yeah, isn't that true? That is so funny you say that yeah
3: Christian famous is a whole different thing, and sometimes if you're in that world, it can seem like a big deal, right? You're like, wow, uh, like I remember um when I got to I got to interview Tim Keller, it was just a phone interview but I was pretty psyched, right? Cause he's, he's yeah. definitely Christian famous. Um, and I remember going and tell my parents, my dad was a pastor for like, you know, 40 years. And Hey, I got to interview Tim Keller and he's like, Oh, who is that again? <laughs> and because my dad's in his seventies, <laughs> you know, like, and then he started listing all the rock stars that were, were, were around when he was in ministry. And I didn't, I, some of them were like kind of faintly familiar to me, but then you just realize, wow, even when you like reach the pinnacle of evangelical world <laughs> in ministry, you know, first of all, just a few people in the church know about you. And then in one generation, unless maybe you're Billy Graham, although you ask a 20 year old who Billy Graham is, they may or may not know. It's a very fleeting thing. So anyway, yes. yeah, the point is, man, if it. that's your, if that's your goal, hey, man, I just want to get Christian famous. Uh, that's a pretty superficial and ultimately fleeting thing. <laughs>
2: I love it. I love it. Now you write something, um, provocative and I like this. You wrote that God doesn't call us to change the world. What do you mean by that? Because that's that's not that. That's very that's very punk rock, you drew. <laughs> yeah, that's me, punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> now, hey, you, your kids don't know how cool you are, Drew. That's they really talking. don't.
3: That's that's that totally lost on them. Um, well, you know, I said I think I said I. Well, did I say I, I don't think God's called me to change the world or anyone in general? But anyway, yeah, I, that was a realization I came to because. It's a lot to put on your shoulders, right? And and I think there's the subtle kind of egotism in there when we think, hey, I'm going to do something great for God. I'm going to change the world. Um, because the truth is we can't, first of all. that That's a, that's a pretty uh, big thing to place on our shoulders. Uh, and yet I think that God can change the world through us. But I think that's the wrong thing to aim at. So I've come to the place where, man, I'm going to aim at faithfulness. Now, God may do something like bigger or smaller through that. I know he'll work. I don't know exactly how, but it's become really important to me just to try to abandon the outcomes of what I do to God because you can't control it. And when you start kind of focusing on those metrics, and I I heard a lot of this growing up, I think a lot of us, especially that grew up in the church can identify with this. You get this kind of thing where it's like, man, you're going to be a voice to the nations or, or especially if you're, if you're fully surrendered to God, God's going to do something big with your life. Like it's going to be international. You're going to be on mm-hmm. stages. You're going to be doing all this cool stuff. And then I, I've just been around too long now to see so many faithful servants, you know, um, that didn't have a massive influence. Um, and it wasn't because of some failing on their part. God mm-hmm. used them in important ways, but, um, but maybe not in the ways that we th- think of as being super successful. So, yeah, I think, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, faithfulness is success, right? Obedience is success. And yeah. so that that's what I'm aiming for these days,
2: and I I love that because I think everybody kind of goes through that on a micro level at a certain stage. Like we we've been talking about kids, you know, your kids. I have a a 14 year old. I think at a certain point you you realize maybe I'm trying to save the world, but maybe I'm losing my kids. Wow, you know? and yeah. I'm I'm not saying I'm losing my kids. I'm just saying. My values have certainly changed it. If I'm going to be successful one place, I'm going to be successful at home. Like mm-hmm. that's where, that's where yeah. I really need. Um, and, and I don't know if it, if you guys saw that movie Interstellar, yes. where he's yes. literally yes. off to save the world. And he, he feels like he loses his daughter in the process. Mm. He loses the relationship with his daughter. And it's not, it's not a happy movie. Like it doesn't have a great, happy ending. Um, There's something somewhat redemptive, but there's this incredible sense of loss that he literally went off to save the world. Like so many people that think, oh, this is what God wants me to do. And the one person that like that saying, you know, uh, to, to the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. You know, he, he was that girl's only father and he, he kind of blew it, but then there's that justification. But if I didn't save the world, she wouldn't have been able to live her life. And, and right. I think we all fight that balance, but there's, there's this shifting of values that has to happen with each one of us, you know, at some point, often we learn it too late. You know? Yeah, man. I
3: didn't think of that. Yeah. Interstellar. I love that movie and that gripping scene where like time is like elapsing because he's in the spaceship, right? Mm-hmm. And he's getting these videos from his kids. First of all, when, if you're a dad, that, that kills you. That's <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's the
2: where he's crying when he's yeah. watching. Oh yeah.
3: Oh yeah. It's breaks. devastating. But what a great parable for ministry. Cause you're right. I mean, and, and I'm thinking of several like people, you know, big wigs in history that, that said that, you know, they even made the conscious effort. Like, okay, I'm going to kind of forsake my kids to go do what God wants me to do. And, and you hear the, the fallout from those stories and it's devastating. Um, and I think the irony, sometimes when you're focused on being a big deal, um, you can actually miss the opportunities God's placed right in front of you, the people around you. Like, I know people that are like, yeah, I'm going to be this like big ministry leader. And meanwhile, they're forsaking opportunities, like th- the kids they have, the the people in their neighborhood that, you know, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's the cruel irony is that sometimes by trying to do too much, you can actually miss the opportunities God's
1: placed right in your lap. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, this isn't, I actually have a question for you, Drew, but I was going to say something. There's a scene in that movie that I always found really powerful. And that was when she's on her deathbed. He finally gets to see her, his daughter. And she's like, oh, okay, great dad. And then, okay, now you can leave because I want to see my family. (laughs) Like Hmm. he was so far removed from her by that point in her life that she was like, okay, it's good to see you, but really, no, I want to be with my family. And I just remember looking at that, going, "Ooh, that would crush me, man." Like- it's
2: "cats in the cradle," right? It's kind yeah, of like, totally. all right, it's a little, you know, we moved on a little bit. Which talk about what twenty year olds wouldn't understand. "Cats in the cradle," look it up, Google it. Uh, <laughs> I do just want to say before Pete gets to his, next they don't listen to
1: the podcast. Come on,
2: <laughs> that's a good point. The only, uh, even twenty nine year olds, the only twenty nine year old listens is Brooks, and that's because he's editing it. So, uh, but. Yeah, just wanted to say before we get into the next question about the book, just a reminder, again, the book is Just Show Up, How Small Acts of Faithfulness Change Everything. Before we get into our next question about that, um, I just want to note that Pete, when he watched that movie, was not touched. He's a rock. He's karate mm-hmm. You don't yeah. bruise on the outside. He he did not in that scene.
3: Yeah. I did not I was cry, total no.
2: sociopath. Yeah, yeah, obviously. yeah, obviously. You called it. Thanks for saying that. That's the test,
3: I think. If you watch that scene, you don't cry. <laughs>
1: you yeah. Don't cry. <laughs> I didn't cry, but it did make me contemplate. But you know, that's as deep as it gets. Hey, <laughs> uh, Roddy Man. There's the there's a section in the book where you talk about plotting. Break that down for everyone so they can kind of understand your 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 thought process behind that.
3: Yeah. I mean, that was just a, uh, you know, it's not the sexiest uh Concept, but uh that's something I aspire to be as a plotter. Um and I talk about William Carey who had that great quote where he says, I have no special talent, but I can plot, right? And talk mm-hmm. about a guy who did change the world, right? Um I love that but quote. if you if you looked at any one day of his life, you'd see a plotter, like the guy he like was preaching for six or eight years in India before he got one convert, uh, mm-hmm. but he just kept going just steady um and and yet it added up to so much and so i feel like and the people who do end up making an impact even if it's not like global or you know news grabbing um in general they're plotters and i think that's a hard message and a needed one because in our time especially with social media the, 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 temptation is to think I'm going to blow up overnight and something amazing is going to happen. And you feel badly about yourself if it doesn't happen, because you jump on Instagram and you see these people becoming famous or, you know, and of course, half the time it's an illusion or they're exaggerating, or you're comparing their highlights to your everyday life. Um, but man, be a plotter. That's great. That's, that's what, you know, over the long haul, God uses that faithfulness. And it's great because even, you know, if things are going well, Hey, you don't rest on your laurels. You just got to get up the next day, do the same thing over again. If you're doing not so well, you don't get discouraged. You just keep coming back, taking slow, steady steps. So I love that. I think it's good psychologically and and ultimately it's what's fruitful.
1: Yeah, You know, it, it, interesting in business, one of the things that like for years, I ran a financial planning company. And so all of my people were Commission only independent sales contractors. And one of the jokes we used to always make is, Hey, if you see yourself as someone who makes a hundred thousand dollars a year and you make a hundred thousand by June, you're not doing anything the rest of the year. Like you're, you're done uh, Yeah, you mentally just check out and you don't even realize it, but you're just like, you know, cause I see myself as that and that's what I did. And so we just, used to always say you got to focus on the action like what are the actions you're supposed to take and that's it just focus on that and only think about okay I gotta call this person I gotta follow up with this person you know that kind of a thing and to me that that whole idea of plotting really falls in line with that of just you got to just focus on the steps that are right there in front of you mm-hmm. and not worry necessarily about the long term I mean we always think about the long-term effects of everything we do we can't stop ourselves from that but You got to take those actions. You got to take those steps.
3: Absolutely. That's huge. And I think, and it's funny because you can balance it, right? I mean, yeah, goals and planning and stuff. That's important. There's a place for that, but I feel, I don't know, maybe this is my personality. I get too focused on that where I go, Hey, like I I look down the road and I want to accomplish this, but then you wake up the next morning. You're like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the (laughs) the little steps that are, that are going to lead to that. Um, And yet that shorter term focus can be good.
2: Absolutely. And I, I think even with church planning, there's not mm. been an iteration of church planner training. You know, for you church planners out there going, Hey, what does it have to do with me? This plotting stuff. It's everything. I I remember writing in jump school. Sorry, Pete. I know even the very word of jump school brings pain. Uh you know, you don't but,
1: understand, Drew. Every freaking time Peyton would come out with a new course. <laughs> we're gonna call it jump school. I'm like, but we already have five jump schools, we're gonna call it jump school. <laughs> jump school the musical. So no one Uh, knew what program they were in when they were buying jump school. They're like, I've just heard about it for years. That's all there is is jump school.
2: So, so, you know, one of the things that I put in there, there's always a section called stupid stuff. I hate it's all the crap you got to do when you're church planning, you're leading a group of people. Mm. Like nobody wants to do that crap. No one wants to deal with taxes. Nobody wants to deal with 501c stuff or insurance or, and there's all this stuff that you just got to do, you know, and, and, It's not why anyone gets in ministry, but it's the hard work. And there's such a, to me, plotting is, is like, like you said, you know, like William Carey, it's everything. Plotting is everything. Um, Just being able to, to stay the course and go it's tortoise in the hare, right? Like this is, this is clearly a timeless principle that even the ancient Greeks are like, yeah, you got those people who don't know how to just go. You know, yeah. for obedience and in, in, in a single direction for a long period of time. But, uh, you stress the importance of being physically present with people in the book. And that I think is really resonating, particularly in an age where, you know, we were told we couldn't, right? For a long time. That's right. Like yeah. that was stripped away from us. Um, why do you, why do you, why do you feel that's really important? being well, physically present. Yeah. Partly this. for,
3: for what happened when we were forbidden from, from meeting, uh, you see, you know, we all had our phones, uh, still, uh, and yet you look at the rates of anxiety and depression and loneliness, they shot through the roof, right? Cause we need mm. to be, uh, together physically. Um, so that was an interesting kind of natural experiment we had with our entire society and it didn't go yeah. so well. And yeah. I just feel like, man, like I went to the theater last night, uh, watch Godzilla Great movie, by the way. Heard it was amazing. Amazing. Anyway, total. There's a new
1: Godzilla movie out? Yeah. There's a new Godzilla. And
3: it's like a 10. It's apparently mind-blowingly good. It really, really is. I I won't get into it. I'm tempted. But yes, it was really good. Anyway, (laughs) I'm sitting there with my son. It's the cheap night at the theater because, you know, I'm a writer. So I went on the cheap night. Um, Heck yeah. There was. Search Planner Night as well. uh, There you go. (laughs) Three other people in this massive theater. And all of a sudden I realized, of course, I've read a little bit about this, but like you know, I think maybe everyone having a big screen at home has destroyed the theater experience, but there are so many things in our culture. Like I, I miss that, that experience of going to the movie, like packed movie, everyone's laughing or into the movie together. Um, but we're, we're so isolated these days. We just do everything alone. Um, and the, the church is really the last bastion of fellowship <laughs> mm. and it's going to become increasingly important, I think. Um, so, but physical presence is just, is something we can't give up on. Um, yes. And I'm not negating. I Listen, Ryan, I get the irony. We're doing a podcast right now, right? Which is, this, uh, we're looking at each other on screens and talking. Thank God for technology. And yet there's no replacement for being physically present with people. And you look at Jesus's ministry. And, and of course, he had to come to earth to die for our sins, right? That was the, the most important thing to be physically here. Um, but the way Jesus ministered to people right you think of all the people he touched he had kids jumping on his lap he had prostitutes anointing his feet when he taught he had people pressing against him sometimes mm. um and and this is a challenge for me because naturally like i kind of like hiding out in my house and And communicating, if at all, through screens and the writer's dream, the writer's dream, man. Even when I go like to a restaurant, I carry my phone with me so I don't have to talk to anyone, you know. (laughs) And and so I'm pretty good just hiving off and kind of letting the muddy stream of humanity pass me by. But that's not the way of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. We got to we got to show up for each other. This is huge. And it's essential, of course, to the mission of the church.
1: It's good. Great. Are you telling me I'm not supposed to be wearing earbuds when I go to the gym to work out? (laughs) Then I would have to actually talk to people. Well,
3: obviously you don't love people. Yes. Or on an airplane. Well, then no,
1: it's actually true. I don't yeah. love people. That's, <laughs> right. that's another one of my many problems.
3: <laughs> it's like, it's like that leadership journal cartoon. It's like, I love people theoretically,
1: you know, that. that like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Hey, um, what do you mean by find God's will with our feet? That's something that you talk about as well.
3: Yes. That is confusing. That was a chapter title. Um, and the editor didn't like it, but I did. Anyway, what I meant by that—I'm glad was, you fought the law, and
2: I, the law I, did not win. You I fought on that ahead. one, stick it in the man. Yes. yes. As Look an editor, you have you have some chops. You're like, no, I'm yeah, come on, also man. a decision maker, and I yeah. say it stays.
3: I was like twenty years older than the editor, so I'm like, come on, come on, <laughs> kid. Um. So all I meant by that was, um, you know, sometimes we, uh, especially in the, the tradition I grew up in, you have all this instruction about how to find God's will. Some of it honestly isn't terribly helpful. It's like, okay, you got to solve this riddle or maybe you flip your Bible open to a random passage and hope that God directs you. And God can do that. Hey, believe me, I would do it if it worked. Exactly. I've tried it. I've tried it enough to know that it usually doesn't work is the problem. I started Um, getting
1: some verses in Deuteronomy and I'm telling you, I did not understand what God wanted me to do after that. You're like, what? How do I
3: (laughs) get rid of this uh, skin disease by going outside the camp? Yeah. Anyway. Um, So, Basically, what I mean by that is you just take the next step. It's kind of back mm-hmm. to the plotting thing, right? And when I look back on my life and, and you know, it's at times things can feel random and haphazard. Uh, and yet you can see that God was guiding you. But it's usually as you're moving, as you are being obedient to God and you're taking that next step in front of you. And often you know what that is. You don't, you might not know exactly what you're supposed to even do with your life, where you're supposed to move, who you're supposed to marry, all those kind of big uh, picture questions. And yet, you might know that next step that God's kind of nudging you toward. And if you just do that, often my experience is as you walk, the kind of God uh, like lights the path before you. Uh, And so that's what I encourage people to do, young people, but even even you know middle aged folks like us guys. I mean, it's funny because when I was young, I thought like finding God's will was like this one time thing. Kind of you you to call me middle aged, by the way. I just (laughs) want to say God bless you, Drew. Depends how long you're going to live. So yeah. Anyway. you know, I thought it was like for 20-year-olds, finding God's will. And here I am, I just turned 46, and I'm like, no, I, I need to keep finding God's will because I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do with my life still. Um, so it's a continual process, and it's usually something he just shows you a little bit ahead. You know, I wish he'd give me the 10-year plan, but that hasn't happened. So in the meantime, I'm going to
2: find God's will with my feet. I dig it. So true to the book title, Just Show Up, you you have a a, a bit on spiritual disciplines, and in the book, you say it's just enough to it's enough just to crack your Bible open each day. Is that aiming too low or is is that part of what you get at? Yeah, no, I, I get that kind of critique. It's
3: like, okay, are we are we lowering the bar here like, you know, an inch off the ground so we can just kind of hop over it? <laughs> and And I'll explain kind of my philosophy to that. And it comes from, you know, personal failure. Like every January going, man, I'm going to read through the Bible three times this year and I'm going to memorize a whole bunch of it. And I'm going to, you know, spend an hour of prayer every day and all these kind of big uh, plans I had for myself. And then what I find, and you can, I know a lot of people have had similar experience. You get a week or two into the year and you realize, man, I'm just falling flat on my face. And then you start, this is the weird thing. When you fail in your spiritual disciplines, whatever it is, whether it's just like reading the Bible or mastering some spiritual discipline, the Latin name. You get discouraged and then you stop altogether. At yeah. least this is me, right? And then the Bible's like gathering dust and you're feeling guilty. And, and so what I've started to tell myself is like, Drew, just crack open your Bible every day. And even if you only read like three verses, hey, man, you do that 365 times. Amen. It adds up. But Amen. you don't stay there. That's the important thing. So for me, it's just about building that habit into your life of just opening God's word every day. And so, yeah, maybe you only read a few verses, or maybe you slip into a groove and you read a few chapters and you really kind of get into it. But if you're not doing it consistently, that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. So I think like that with, with a lot of things, I have a friend who is like, he was kind of in a dry stretch and he went to his spiritual mentor and the guy's like, Hey, listen, just do it every day. Like just spend some time in prayer, read your Bible. It's like doing pushups, right? It's, it's maybe unpleasant sometimes, but it strengthens you over time. And I, and I love that it's so counterintuitive but that approach to spiritual disciplines. Hey, it's like doing pushups. Yeah. You're not always going to feel it. You're not always going to feel like doing it, but it's going to strengthen those spiritual muscles and it connects you to God and it fosters spiritual development. Um, and I think sometimes we go, well, if I'm not really into it, it's almost dishonest. Like, should I even, should I pray when I'm not feeling it? Yeah, absolutely. You should. <laughs> Cause often your feelings follow your actions, not the other way around. So but
2: I could yeah, not agree more. And I, uh, sorry for the, the little bit of the setup of that question, because no. <laughs> I could not agree more with what you're saying there. And there have been times brother, where I've literally been so frizzle fried. I've turned to like a liturgical, you know, divine hours with readings and just, I need to be carried right now. Cause I'm just yeah. toast. And just that Showing up, like you said, just even just to read the words someone else crafted, and right now I'm gonna slip my prayers into your prayers, and you're gonna have to carry me, and uh, <laughs> I'll put myself in the cannon, let you fire me out because I ain't got nothing right now. But you know the the whole idea, you know, it's funny because the wife and I right now that, that like for us to try to get our quiet times kick started again was kind of tough. Um, we fell out of that habit. And that's something over the years, like we've been able to, to fairly decently maintain, but you know, I got, I got a special needs kid now and I got, you know, I got all kinds of excuses, man. That's what I'm telling you. But at the end of the day, um, I, I remember just going, you know, the lowest, the easiest win for us is to read a Psalm every night before bed Mm. and just to pray. It doesn't have to be long it doesn't have to be big when we hit Psalm 119, we might take a an off-train stanza you know but we won't uh we won't be uh uh spinning like Friday. it's not going gonna, gonna to be heavy lifting and you know what it's actually been one of the coolest times mm. devotionally i've ever had with my wife that's and awesome and it was that just showing up man just show mm. up that that was the that was the win and the lord just when you show up god does awesome things so That's I awesome. love it, man. Well, the book again is just show up how small acts of faithfulness change everything. Um, and again, I love the central premise of the book. Just that drew at a certain point, realize, Hey, everybody tells me life is going to be this, like, I'm going to go save the world and I'm this and that maybe God wants me to faithfully witness uh, to be a faithful witness where I'm at and in, in the things that I do every day. And I don't think that message can be preached enough. And brothers and sisters, you're 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 here for church planting goodness. That is, after all, what you're trying to do. You're planting a church in a community, and you're trying to get the believers just to show up. That's what the epistles were about. That's what Paul was saying: show up to work and work for God. You know, just show up. So, uh, Drew, I want to thank you, man. If you guys have not experienced uh drew's world and writing um this would be a great time and place uh one of his other books uh is your future self will thank you brain science uh so that's that's pretty cool man brain science is pete and i have geeked out over that we should have interviewed you on that book man (laughs) i'll come back that's perfect all right let's (laughs) let's get him back on for that that'd be great will he show up though that's the real question that's the question No, I think what's going to happen that day is he's going to, he's going to have taken like a ton of Advil or something. He's not going to be able to think, so he won't be very cogent and like, he'll just be like, yeah, um, yeah, that's, that was good stuff, you know, about the brain. I do like Advil now that I'm middle-aged too. It's, it's my friend. Dude, if I take that, like, so I'll take that sometimes, but yeah, man, like I get, I get fuzzy head when I take (laughs) Advil. So go figure. I don't know. You might be taking uh, too much.
1: But (laughs) hey, brother. Are you sure I that's Advil? Are you sure no. that's Advil? You I are in It could be anything. I take one. And then
2: if I take two, oh, I'm toast. But typically, I don't take stuff. I'm an RN. So I tend not to to want to take. I'm like, oh, I eat a banana. Get rid of my headache. So a little more holistic. But uh, Drew likes it. He's up importantly. He's a total hippie like me. So uh, anyways, hey, Drew, if people want to connect with you more, man, where can they get in touch?
3: Yeah, well. I, I spend too much time on Twitter or whatever they're calling it these days. No, X- you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can Connect keep it coming me there. Um, I have a website too. It's just my name, drewdickdyck. and you can see some cheesy pictures of me and my family. Uh, read a free free chapter from the book, or if you're in the Northwest, man, if you just show up in person, we can go have coffee, and I'll take you to Powell's, the best bookstore in the world. Yes, whole city block of books, um, and we'll hang out. So yeah, I feel like next time
2: I'm up in Bend, Oregon, I need to take you up on that. I think yes, I'll, I'll skip. You come across. up to Bend? I do, man. I love Bend. We, we you know, we when I wrote Church vacation. Zero, when I wrote Church Zero, I was up in Bend and uh, I stayed there for six months and uh, trained a planner. He's he's tearing it up. I think he's on his third or fourth church plant now. Wow, um, just yeah, he's like the rockabilly punk punk rock, you know, church planner up there, but just killing it. But uh But, yeah, brother, I think I'll come over to Portland next time. Let's do it. I've never been to Powell's. Oh, serious?
3: Okay. Well, it's time. All right, brother.
2: That sounds good. Well, (laughs) hey, again, guys, Drew Dick, guest on our show. I want to thank all of you for joining us. And uh, be sure to pick up the book, Just Show Up, How Small Acts of Faithfulness Change Everything. And, uh, Pete,
1: that's it. Sign us out. Hey, if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. And just show up. (laughs) Heh <laughs>